Gonna take a little time. Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer. And the O-line to get him over. Wisconsin football analyst. I wanna know who love is. Musical genius. I want you to show me. Mark Tauscher on Rutledge and Hamilton is brought to you by Chalmers Jewelers. Chalmers Jewelers with locations in Middleton and downtown Madison. Wow. This guy, the nameless, the Falcons that can't handle him, QB. Well, we know Mark Tauscher's musical sweet spot. We go from uh, Foreigner and Queen. Uh, Tauscher is uh, straight living in the late 70s, early 80s there. Mark, uh, thanks for serenading us. Yeah, that's an interesting open. Um, <laughs> wait, wait till I'm just glad you didn't play last week, which was, which I believe was my worst. So I, I can live with that. Those are I actually am delusional enough to think that I sounded pretty good there. Uh, Tausche, I'm with you, dude. I, I I I've called it the greatest moments in radio the last couple of weeks. I think now you're pushing Wildy. He sang a song last week. Like I know. I, I think it is the best segment in radio every single week. Uh, no offense, Chip. Like I'll tell you this, uh, he wasn't bad. Like he has enough confidence, and bravado, and uh, enough in the voice to carry it. You're talking about Tausch or Willie? Yeah, Tausch. Okay. Yeah, Tausch, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got a good voice, Tausch. Have you ever been a karaoke guy? Did you? Have you ever no. sung karaoke? Never. No, because typically whenever I'm uh, karaokeing, I'm pretty pretty far gone already yeah, at that point. So I'm not as focused as I probably need to be. But. Uh, yeah, no, I, I used to love karaoke. Now this is going to be the karaoke, and I'll be honest with you, uh, now I have to do it every week. It, it was fun at first. Now I feel like it's, I'm not saying it's become a job, because it hasn't, <laughs> but it's the hardest I work all week. <laughs> you know, you're living pretty good if that's the hardest you work all, all week. We can at I least agree. acknowledge that. Yeah, I can, uh, I can agree with you on that, for sure. Mark, uh, Packers defense, what everyone's up in arms are, and I do think the offense is complicit in some of their problems. Like, if you don't have complimentary football and you leave the defense out there all the time, it doesn't help anything. Joe Barry is the poster child for who everyone wants fired. I have this thought of, like, it has to kind of happen, like, after the Raiders game if it's a bad game or not at all this year. Because then you have a big window between the 9th and the 22nd that you could have someone, a new voice, come in and make some changes. Do you think if the Packers had another terrible performance like they did against the Lions defensively against the Raiders that Joe Barry could be out. Yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, I think if you were going to make that move, it would have been this offseason. And uh, obviously if the Raiders go throw up 40 points and Jacobs runs all over us, and you know, then I, that would, I agree with your, uh, kind of your sentiment in saying that if you're going to do it, the bye week, you get a little extra time. But I, I think this is Matt LaFleur's guy. He had opportunities this offseason to look at uh, some other options that were available, and he just decided not to do that. And he decided it relatively quickly, like right after the Lions game that they lost to, that they could have made the playoffs. So I just, I don't think that's the case. But again, the NFL is so league to league or week to week in that league that things can change but if you're asking me right now unless it's an epic collapse where you're giving up a ton of points to a team that you shouldn't like on a out in las vegas which is going to be a packer home game uh, i don't see it i think joe barry finishes the season as the defensive coordinator and following up on that 
If Joe Barry turns out not to be the guy and it has to be done at the end of the year, is that a blemish on LaFleur's resume? Like, it's one thing to be loyal, but if you're just rolling it back with the wrong guy, I get the point you don't want to fire midseason. That's not great. But like, if you've just had the wrong guy for a while now and you keep on rolling with it no matter how loyal you want to be, could that be a blemish against LaFleur that if he has to roll two years with a subpar defensive coordinator, if that turns out to be the case? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur put himself out there for with Joe Barry mm-hmm. in deciding what he did last year. So, yeah, I uh, I think there's there's you always want loyalty when you're talking about coaches because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens on a coaching staff. But the thing that I just I haven't understood was the quick decision that they made last year to keep him and not even like look at Vic Fangio and some of the other names that were available. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the part that just I didn't make a ton of sense to me then. So I think Matt LaFleur is obviously comfortable with who Joe Barry is and what he does defensively. But the part, the other part that is a little bit I don't quite get is he's asking him to do something that Joe Barry hasn't been. And they're trying to do different things defensively to fit more what Matt LaFleur wants. So I uh, it is definitely going to be a blemish if this defense is not very good and they don't make the playoffs and it got worse than what it was last year. Matt LaFleur put himself out there for Joe Barry, and if it's not the case, that's that's part of evaluating a head coach. One of the biggest parts, as a matter of fact, is who is your staff and how effectively are they getting your vision executed out on the football field? And if things don't go well, that obviously means that it was not done very well. Yeah, it's a good point, Tausch. And, you know, I've, I've been working through this since Thursday night's ass-kicking uh, at the hands of Detroit that the Packers lost, fell to 2-2. Two and two. Like, what do we know about Matt LaFleur? Because, uh, obviously, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a good head coach. But, mm-hmm. I, I've I, and we talked about it a little bit Monday when, when I filled in with you guys on, on Wildey and Tausch. Like, I just feel like he's lacked identity. I, I don't know that we know exactly what he is, so I'll, I'll, I'll pass it to you. What do we know about Matt LaFleur for sure? I think he's a smart coach. I think he's obviously a, a nice guy, and I think a guy that coach that the players really like. Um, as far as all of the other stuff goes, I thought it was really telling. Uh, Jason Wilde, who's you know, this is what year is this now for Matt Lafleur? Is this his fourth or fifth? fifth. I think it's this is his fifth year. And the fact that I asked him point blank, who he's he's there every day with him, what is the Packers' identity or what does Matt Lafleur stand for? Mm-hmm. And he paused for a long time and didn't have a comment. Uh, there's Coaches have to be flexible. They have to go. But I think when you start talking about Dan Campbell, you know he's a kneecap-biting son of a gun. <laughs> that's, his, that's his deal. What has it been? It's all gas, no brakes. That would be Matt LaFleur's mantra. And I'm not sure if I would say that's how this team plays. I just don't know. I think Matt LaFleur, from a using timeouts and how he approaches his aggressiveness – I love that part of Matt LaFleur. I think that is how I would describe it. But from a scheme standpoint, Aaron Rodgers kind of changed a little bit of how he operates. His whole thing is, let's make it easy, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. But when it comes to just Matt LaFleur, I don't know if there is a great answer, which through five years, that's that's not a great thing. It's a little bit of a red flag. But I, I'm with you, right? Like I, My head goes ingenuity, creativity, but lacks execution sometimes. And I think that we've seen that time and time again. And, and through four weeks of this season, 
I, and I get it, it's an evaluation period, right? We're evaluating everything, and my hopes are still high. I think this can be a playoff team, but LaFleur is still a, a big question mark to me, which, to your point, is, is a little troublesome. And I know it's a new era, but it is still troublesome to a point. Yeah, and, and I'm not worried about Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur is a really smart coach. I agree. Uh, in the league, it's it's different. I I just think that when you, when you start looking at where – and part of it is to your personnel. You went from a very veteran-laden team with a with a great quarterback to an unknown, and to a lot of young players. It's a this is a whole new window in the Matt the Matt Lafleur era with Aaron Rodgers was really good, really good regular season, disappointing postseason. This is I, I judge Matt Lafleur on a whole new scale with this football team compared to what it was. So it's almost as if. He has to be judged completely different from that coach that was the great and the most winning coach in the history of the NFL. Now, I, it, this is a completely new operation, and he is going to be judged by how he develops Jordan Love. And if he gets this defense to where he wants it to be, because he has kind of put himself in with Joe Barry. Talking with Mark Tauscher, Packer Hall of Famer, uh, on the Badger broadcast as well. I want to get to the Badger stuff in a second, but Mark, we were having this conversation and. Uh, around the office, and we've talked about it before, Of and I know you've talked about how Chicago's kind of where quarterbacks go to die, but it's not just Chicago. It's Cleveland. The Jets haven't had it, yep. and I, I think they're, now you have to have the talent, some sort of talent or baseline talent at the quarterback position, but if you're drafting a QB, what do you think is more important for their success? An infrastructure or a blueprint on how to maximize their ceiling or the talent of the, of the quarterback? Because I look at the 49ers, yeah, they, they screwed it up with Trey Lance, but they won with Jimmy G, and now they're winning with Brock Purdy. That's an infrastructure. The Titans win at a certain level. I think uh, I think uh, Vrabel's got the 60 wins over the last six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that Jared Goff's winning with, with Detroit. So I honestly think having the infrastructure for quarterback success, especially with a young quarterback, is more important than the actual talent of the quarterback because you can, you can cap a guy's ceiling really quick if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, this is not the great radio answer for that, but it's both. But there's no doubt the more good players you have around, would Brock Purdy be great playing with, um, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns skill people with that offense and with that system? Plug him in this offense, with, Tausch. You could plug him in Green Bay. I don't think he's as great as he is in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco and what Shanahan does, but it's, it's also the defense. They're not asking him to be a hero. They're asking him, just don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. Is Brock Purdy somebody I want leading my my team the next 10 or 15 years? No. But if you have the right system, and it, like, if Brock Purdy's making $45 bucks, he's not nearly as sexy of a quarterback as mm-hmm. he is when he's making the league minimum, and you can pay Bosa, and you can pay Warner, and you can pay Trent Williams, and you can pay Debo Samuel. You can't do that if you have – him on a regular NFL starting quarterback's salary cap. So it always comes back to the infrastructure and the coaching is is very important. But it still comes down to, do you have a good offensive line? Do you have some skill guys that can make you look a lot better? Because if you don't, you see what happens. And that's unfortunately for Jim, that's what happens down in Chicago. They've tried. They haven't gotten it fixed up front. And until you get it fixed up front, all of this other stuff is just, conjecture. Well, and to that, because the other part of it is with the offensive line, and I think we saw a little bit with Jordan against the Lions, and he kind of worked his way through it, but that was in one little game, but these quarterbacks who are getting rocked, you could go back to uh, Derek Carr, Mm -hmm. all these quarterbacks, 
they they see ghosts, and you don't blame them. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're. And hopefully, that doesn't happen with Love with this injured offensive line for the Packers because he saw it for moments there for you know against Detroit, and they kind of changed their defense a little bit in the second half, and he also adjusted to it. But that's a real issue of a quarterback uh, with the injuries with the Packers offensive line that Jordan Love could start seeing some ghosts if he's got people chasing him down all the time. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a part of being a professional athlete. And we had Belaga on our show this morning. You know, talking about that scar tissue, you, when you're a young player, you're naive, man. You think every year is going to be pro bowl, you're going to stay healthy, and everything's going to run smoothly, and then the NFL kicks you in the face and tells you how it really is, <laughs> which is you're going to have to overcome some stuff. Um, and that's why I think when you look at how the Packers have handled it, and again, it's easy to handle it when you have an all-pro or pro bowl quarterbacks that you can learn behind, but throwing guys right into the mix uh, – It's worked in some occasions, but it's failed more than it's worked. And the reason for that is you can ruin a player. Uh, You mentioned David Carr. Those those scars last, and it's hard to overcome some some of that bad mojo that you have when you get those hits and you make those mistakes. The great ones, Peyton Manning threw 28 picks his rookie year. But he, you could tell he could handle that and that it was learning on the job. But if you're getting drilled and you're not understanding what to see and how to get rid of the football and all of those things, which I think Jordan loved, he, obviously Aaron helped him a ton with some of those things, that's the big part of the growth. Because otherwise you're just back there as a sitting duck and you don't learn anything. You just learn, I just don't want to get killed. And when you can get rid of that process and you can actually start thinking how you're going to be successful – rather than how you're going to survive, that's the part that I think people miss on when it talks about when you look at development of young quarterbacks. Tosh, last thing we have for you, the Badgers are playing. Uh, they seems like they haven't played in forever. Uh, they get the bye. That's obviously a newer thing in the last five, six years in college football. What do you think that does for the Badgers? Does it help them kind of continue to be able to make this offense and defense they're trying to learn for the players a little bit more muscle memory, just a little bit more comfortable with each passing week, even if they didn't play a game last weekend? Yeah, you would hope so. I think it's, you know, everybody will always tell you the bye came at a perfect uh, time. <laughs> week four, week five. I, you definitely would have loved for the bye to be another three or four weeks to kind of split the season in half. But uh, you're always, you know, obviously Ches being hurt and trying to work in some different people. There's always some positives that you could take it. But I really felt like this offense, and especially with uh, Mordecai developing, I would have loved to just kept humming. Keep playing, but that's not where it's at. So you get rested up. Everybody's relaxed and read and charged to kind of make this push now that the you know Big Ten season's really getting into gear. But I think it's going to be an exciting time, and really, I think Badger fans are looking at this saying, "Man, the Big Ten West stinks." Even if this team you know was going to develop and it was going to take some time, and it has, and there's still a lot of growth. Luke Fickle has said from the jump, the team we saw in September is not the team we're going to see at Thanksgiving. So if they keep getting better and better, it's it's an exciting time because the Big Ten West is right there, and I don't think there's anybody that you're looking at saying, oh, boy, that's a juggernaut. Wisconsin's positioned itself pretty well. No doubt. Packers bye, by the way, Tausche, just real quick. Coming up at the perfect time perfect. after Vegas. Perfect <laughs> yeah. time for a bye for the do. Packers. It's perfect <laughs> time. They're all beat up. Perfect time. Uh, yep. Tausch, uh, well, perfect time for you to be able to enjoy the rest of your night. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. See you guys. All right. That's brought to you by Chalmers Jewelers, custom and local Chalmers Jewelers. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. 
You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts.